Welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Butts, and welcome back to the Baptism of Our Lord, the first Sunday of Epiphany for the week of January 12th. 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and what a fun time to have. This is the third time that I've gotten to go through the baptism of our Lord, and I think it's always really fun to dig into, to put your teeth in and really grab hold of, and take a look at this and try thinking about it from a different perspective, a different angle, and there's no better way than doing this and going through this, especially when we think about, especially being in the northern hemisphere of the world, I have a hard time imagining going to the Jordan River right now and being baptized. It's frozen right now where I am, and so there's this point of, I think it's interesting being in the northern part of the northern hemisphere where we're getting this text about water and getting this text about the spirit descending, but the baptism part of this is a really fun and an interesting thing to be contemplating and thinking about this week when there's major parts of our world that are frozen, that are under ice, and it gets you thinking. So before we jump into this week's podcast, I want to do our Twitter question from last week which was, how do you let your light shine? And there's so many different answers for this, and I got some great responses, one of which I really enjoyed and I really want to share this week because I think it's something that I had never thought of before, and I think it's a really easy way that a lot of us could let our light shine without really doing that much. So this was a loyal listener talking about and was listening and overhearing a complaint and talking about how he really didn't like how carts were left all over parking lots. And his daughter-in-law came back to him and said, well, you have a baby in the car and say that it's okay to leave the baby alone and take the cart back. And he stated ever since hearing that comment, that in multiple occasions, he kind of purposely kind of looks to see those mothers and ask when they're done if he can take their cart for them and how much they respond positively to this, that someone is doing that for them, taking a burden off of them. And I think that's a great way of looking at it. There's to let light shine through us. Sometimes it means doing some type of work or looking for a way to be of use in the world. I think it's one of the things right now that so many of us are wrestling with in so many different ways and feeling productive, feeling like you're being used appropriately, that you're living up to your potential or being able to use your abilities well. And I know it's something right now as being still a younger person, it's something I definitely have felt at multiple different points in my 20s and late teens is just the ability to feel like the abilities and gifts that God has given me and being able to utilize those in a productive way. And I think it's something that we all struggle with. And I think it's something that we probably as the church should be looking at and discussing more is how do we use our gifts and see gifts in others and encourage them to use those gifts and help them figure out ways to be able to engage and use those gifts. And actually, I will say the gifts that we have been given 
in a lot of ways leads very well into the gospel text this week and what we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. So let's jump right into it. The gospel text, as I kind of mentioned earlier, is the baptism of our Lord coming out of Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And it's a very quick summation. It's a step up, if you want to put it, from Mark. He gives a few more details, but not too much. Jesus came to Galilee, and John is baptizing people in the Jordan. John wants nothing to do with this initially because he doesn't feel worthy, and that's something I'm going to talk about a little bit more this week. Jesus answered him, it is proper. It's the way that we should be doing this. It's the thing that everybody's doing. And so he wanted to do that as kind of a keeping with the culture in a way, if you want to put it that way. And this is where then we get the heavens opening up, the descending like a dove, and the voice coming from the Lord, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. End of the reading. The story we've kind of heard in various different forms, and every year we get to hear some type of form of it. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. This gives, again, kind of this idea, this image of what God is going to be like. But I would also argue in this text, I think there are certain ways that you can look at it and see how you can become and be part of this. Because it's talking about a servant and being chosen and that the spirit of the Lord coming in and using that person in their different gifts and abilities. And in this case, we can see that stretching toward Jesus because of how deep in the second half of the reading it gets to where he's created the heavens and earth and stretched them out, who spread the earth from where it comes from, who gives breath to the people upon it and the spirit to those to walk in it, coming from verse 5. But there's parts of this where I think we can relate as being a follower of Christ. I am the Lord, and I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people of light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from their dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is the name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. This idea that God has gifted us with abilities and trust that, and to go out and and use them. This is a very powerful text. I think this can be an effective text at calling out and telling people to use the abilities that God has given them and being able to pull that out of people. It's a really fun text, and I don't typically get this excited about a first reading, but this one's really good. I really enjoy it. Spend some time with it. The psalm this week is Psalm 29. This is a text we get pretty much every year with the baptism of our Lord, and it's going through and categorizing the strength of our Lord. I have talked about this multiple different times. If you're wanting some of the old podcasts of where I kind of break this down further, reach out and contact me, and I can give you and send you the links to some of these old ones. We've talked about before how it breaks 
the cedars of Lebanon and what that kind of compares to as trees in North America that would be kind of interesting like that. I've had videos before talking about skipping like a calf. And I think, again, it's this idea of the strength and glory of God. And when it comes in, nature obeys, but also how freeing that can be to us if we're willing to pay homage and the turning over and realizing that God is in control. The second reading is out of Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. Peter is talking to the people, and this is right around the time that the Holy Spirit is coming into the church, into the world, and he just talks about how God doesn't show favorites. I love this first line. Then Peter began to speak to them, and he quote, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. And it continues. But I love this idea of that he isn't separating the people. He's trying to bring them together. It's that Satan is trying to divide us. And that we then have the ability to be empowered from this type of text. That God is with us and working through us to be able to testify to other people, to other believers and non-believers alike in his name. So there's a lot there. You've probably picked up a little bit of kind of where I'm coming at these texts this time around. But before we get into that, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, I, since I'm not an ordained minister, use them on a weekly basis. And actually, right now, I use them on a weekly basis just to get the readings. Every week, I use them. They have a page where I can look at all the readings. And it's right there that I can listen to their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, which has four professors who are at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. So I can then learn from theology teachers, being able to talk about what different pastors would preach about. It helps give me a lot of direction every week with bringing you this podcast. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. My second shameless plug is if you haven't checked out God Friended Me, I would argue, what are you doing? I would say it's probably one of the best shows on television. And they just came back from their winter break. I'll admit I have not seen the newest episode. I was waiting to get through some of these podcasts, but it's really great. I love the show that it shows in a way the reality of what it looks like to try walking out the faith and how God works through different people. And I love that part in this show and putting it into a modern context. So if you haven't checked out God Friend and Me, I'd highly recommend it. So as I've stated, we get the baptism of our Lord every single year. So every time when you're coming at these texts, even though it's maybe phrased a little bit differently, it always gets interesting to kind of think about and try reflecting on, is there a new way that I can approach this text? And what really struck me this time, especially with Matthew's text, is John. We don't get a ton of John, and it's always this time of year we hear about John the Baptist. 
But I think it's worth really reflecting on and thinking about this. John has been doing these types of baptisms and realizes that the person he is about to baptize, he has no reason to be baptizing him. If anything, Jesus should be baptizing him. John feels unqualified. He even states here, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. And that's where Jesus then says, yes, I need you to do this for me. But John feels unqualified. This shouldn't be him. In his mind, there is no reason that he should be baptizing Jesus. As I thought about this and pondered this, I feel there's a really good modern day way that we see this if you know where to look. And that is through citizen science. So citizen science, to define it, and I'll attach actually the Wikipedia page down below. It gives a lot of links and shows some different background with it. But citizen science is the idea of, if you want to say crowdsource science or civic science or volunteer monitoring or online citizen science, this idea of amateurs, non-professional scientists helping with or doing science. So Anybody who's listening to this podcast would have the ability to be able to do citizen science. And I would say for me, especially when I was in high school and having a biology degree, what ended up kind of steering me toward getting that biology degree was citizen science. It was the different projects and stuff that I had been a part of that made me very interested to be able to pursue this. So, There's multiple different projects that we see around the world that are dependent in a lot of ways on citizen science. So, for instance, the North American Butterfly Association's Butterfly Count, which started in 1975, that every year they're counting the monarch migration would be one of their projects that they work on dependent on that data. And that data then is being able to be collected every year. And then it's getting referenced every year as they kind of try to see what is going on with the butterfly population. Another huge one that I have been a part of is in ornithology. The one that I've been part of is Audubon Society's Christmas Bird Count, which began in 1900. So this upcoming winter will be the 120th year of this project. And we go out, it's the two weeks before to the two weeks after each of these circles gets a certain day, they decide to go out and count and see what species are out there, and how many of them. And this is done all across the United States and into now other countries. And it's become this huge database. And because it's been happening for so long, they are able to use that data in appropriate ways to be able to see what species maybe are getting affected and what species aren't being affected by X, Y, or Z. Are we noticing weird trends happening? And thus, this research is helping scientists, in quotes, actually go through and focus their energy on more effective 
things. So it's taking the citizen science and using that as the baseline data. And based off this baseline data, where does it make sense that I dig into further so that my money that I'm getting paid and the cost of doing research is effectively going into something that's worth going into and investigating. Think of it as like a preliminary study, but now you're using it with citizen science. But we see this in oceanography. We see this in coral reef studies. Agriculture is with farmers in their own way have definitely done this where they're trying different crops on different fields and kind of working together to figure out something like that. Even to art history has been able to do this. But arguably the place that we see this the most is astronomy. And I will attach articles down below from multiple different sources coming from NASA, coming from all these different places where citizen science has helped discover something that scientists, again in quotes, have overlooked. That because they're not classically trained, they maybe are not overlooking something. That they're seeing something differently and saying, what is this? Can you explain this? And then it's okay, the scientist finally gives in, looks at it, and oh, I had totally missed that part of the data. I had overlooked it and you are on to something. And this isn't uncommon. This is something that has happened multiple times. And especially in astronomy, there's been lots of different discoveries in that. But this is also transferred into the modern age, if you want to put it that way, of there are multiple different citizen science projects that you can do from the convenience of your own home. Not only from helping with astronomers with kind of online looking through pictures and data, but even donating your internet to help with bigger projects that need more processing power. So essentially giving these big projects from like MIT or something of that nature the ability that after a certain hour that it can tap into the processing power on your computer or tap into your internet bandwidth to help with these big, vast projects. This has also been continued into smartphones is another way that we have seen this going on. But even if you want to look into the simple projects of helping with picking up plastics and pollution around the world and being able to see kind of where some of the currents are going and what's going on with movement around the world with plastics and other pollution, this is a huge field. And if you went to a lot of these people who are helping discover some of this stuff, it's that maybe I have an interest in this, but I wouldn't consider myself necessarily a scientist because that's not my living, but I maybe help make a discovery. One of the things that I remember talking to people about and how important citizen science is, is that citizen science can do these long-term studies that a scientist just can't do because a scientist would either run out of funding or the pressure to publish a paper or some other external force telling them to quit the project whether they wanted to or not where a citizen scientist doesn't have those types of pressures they are able to continue doing something because it something they enjoy. It's something that they have a passion for. It's something that God has gifted them with an ability 
And so then they are using that ability, that gift, even if it isn't profitable. These are very, very important things. And I'll attach a link down below to citizenscience.gov if there are other projects or if you want to kind of scroll through and see if there's a project that you would want to join in on, people would thank you. It's the power of a volunteer. It's a power of feeling unqualified and realizing that, no, you are qualified. You have been chosen. God has given you a gift. He didn't show partiality. Sometimes the partiality is, are you willing to give them time? Just like giving God time. If you give God time, God then starts telling you things that he wants you to do. It's like, thank you for giving me time. There's this project I want you to work on. And if you are willing to do it, I have already given you these gifts to be able to accomplish it. John is in that boat when he is baptizing Jesus. He has been given the gift to be able to be baptizing these people. And essentially in this case, at this time, is kind of just giving them forgiveness. And then Jesus comes along, the one who is going to give forgiveness for all of us. John knows who he is and says, I do not feel qualified. And Jesus disagrees. You are more than qualified. Ministry does not just happen with people who happen to be paid by a church or in some nonprofit organization that's tied to some religious organization. We all can do ministry in our day-to-day life, whether we realize it or not. It's very similar to citizen science. It's sometimes the process of showing up. It's sometimes the process of raising a hand and volunteering that leads to God working through you. It's God and the process, just like we see throughout scripture, taking people who don't feel qualified and saying you are overly qualified to be able to do this. I think as we think about baptism and we think about what Christ did, I think it's fun to imagine and think about John and think about if we were John, would we feel qualified? Because I can say fairly confidently, I would not feel qualified. And what does John feel like after this? Is he empowered? Is he empowered to continue baptizing, realizing that I am more than capable of doing this? I am more than capable of doing ministry similar to what Jesus is doing, still being the hands and feet and being just a different part of it. Or does John feel at that same moment welcomed into the Christian family in a way that he has not experienced before? I know when I was a young person in middle school and high school, going on those Christmas bird counts, going out with people who some were being paid to be scientists, some weren't, but how empowered I felt learning to be confident and pointing out different birds and slowly learning more and more of these different birds. And that even though I didn't get paid to be an ornithologist, that I could still be an ornithologist, a person who studies birds in my own time and chases after that. And that can still be part of who I am. 
Just like my Christian title says that I am partially ministering to people because that's what we are called to do. And that's what we get out of that second reading out of Acts, that we have been gifted. We have the ability. It's the question of if we are going to let God do what God does by working through us. Are we going to let him? Or are we going to sit there and say that I am not qualified? I am not a scientist. I don't do scientific things. But yet, citizen science has done amazing things. Are you going to sit there and say, I am a Christian, but I do not do ministering things because I am not a pastor. I am not a minister. That is not my role. Or are you going to say, I am not one who is supposed to lead a large flock. I am one who leads small flocks that aren't necessarily in a church. But I go to church to get recharged every week so that I can lead my flock better. I hope it's that second answer. I think there are a lot of times that we get wrapped up in titles. We get wrapped up in I have not been trained in this. And sometimes it hinders God from being able to do his work. The cool thing that I love when you're comparing John here to citizen science is citizen science is the process of can you observe and can you take data. John is going through the process of helping people with forgiving their sins and doing a physical manifestation of that. Jesus comes to John and says, you are more than qualified to do this. Here I am. Do your thing. Do your gift. So the Twitter question this week is going to be twofold. One, have you ever participated in citizen science? And if so, or know of citizen science and what have been the benefits of it? The second question is going to be more theological is, are you using your gifts effectively? Are you using your gifts effectively? I think it's a question that's a very personal question, and it's a question that we have to keep asking ourselves throughout our life because God gives us abilities and then there's certain ones that he slowly fades away that are moving on like our physical bodies slowly over time not being able to do what they once did. But that doesn't mean when we're seeing that gift disappear that another gift isn't reappearing or a new gift is appearing. We have to understand that God continues to give But are we willing to open up and see what those gifts are? This is such an empowering week with these texts this week. And I hope that you realize that you are an empowered person of God to be able to go out and do citizen science is still real science. But also saying that you're a Christian and I'm not a pastor, I don't work at a church, that you can still do ministry in the world. Know that you are loved, you are cared for, and you have been given gifts. So use those gifts because the world is waiting to see what you can give because those gifts are going to benefit somebody else and then we get to see the gifts that they have. And I'm excited about that. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.